0: um quick bible reading kind of uh, had me, caught me on the hop it's a, it's a short bible reading but a great uh great part of god's word it's great to be with you um i extend my welcome to if you're new or visiting my name's Jono and um i lead the, the ministry here at Grace Anglican Churches and i couldn't work out whether to leave my my jacket on or take it off so i went with to take it off um so but i'll be waving my hands around and talk about spreading out a lot of hot air so hopefully that'll keep me warm Um, let's, let's pray again, um, probably need to after that comment, um, as we come to reflect on, on God's, God's word. Let's pray. Father God, um, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've not left us in the dark, but that you have revealed yourself to us in the Lord Jesus and in the the scriptures that uh, you've caused to be written for us through your apostles. And Father, we, uh, we thank you for this, uh, this letter from John, and we pray that you give us insight and understanding and that you'd shape us according to it. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, our um our current cultural context is a, a bit of a strange mix of what I call intolerant tolerance. Uh, we tolerate sorry, we're tolerant in, uh, in supposedly upholding and affirming a whole range of uh, diversity, of opinion, of, of beliefs, of practices. You know, we, we want to be inclusive of uh, anyone and everyone for, for them to believe and do whatever they want, uh, but this inclusivity must not extend to and in fact must exclude anyone who wants to hold to the belief that there is objective truth and so therefore that means some people are right and others are wrong. I mean, to to claim that or even to suggest that is, to suggest that someone else is wrong is, well, is wrong itself. It's evil and must be met with the greatest of condemnation and be labeled as intolerant, hateful bigotry. When you see it in the realms of, uh, in the realm of uh, human sexuality and gender, uh, if you hold to a biblical worldview with regard to sexuality and gender, you will be labeled by many as an intolerant, hateful bigot. Uh, and a label that uh, comes with an ironic degree of hate and bigotry. So, given this aspect of our current culture, I think there can be a tendency to just kind of lie low, to, to, to be nice and to there can be a reluctance to, to, to question something or, or to question someone or, or to say, heaven forbid, that, that someone is wrong. Our discomfort with conflict and who, you know, who, we, who likes conflict, uh, we, 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 we don't like conflict, and perhaps, perhaps our, our fear of being the odd one out can keep us from saying and acting on what is right. Our commitment to being nice and being accepted can trump our commitment to the truth. But would you rather be a nice liar or an uncomfortable unpopular bearer of the truth now god's word this evening calls on us to well to be discerning to to not just accept anything and everything that that comes our way but actually to to be discerning to to test things now if that the thought of that makes you a little bit anxious because you don't like conflict or you don't like being the oddball let alone saying that, that something or someone is wrong Can I encourage you to try to put your anxiety to one side? Because this call from God's Word is actually a call to the truth, is a call to freedom, is a call to a a life of of knowing God, the one who is greater than the empty ways of this world around us. But before we get to the the, the command of this passage, we need to set it in its context. So the previous verse, uh, uh, just back one verse in in the previous chapter 3, verse 24, Uh, says that that those who are god's people have been given his spirit Uh, verse 24 says the one who keeps god's commands lives in him and he in them and this is how we know that he lives in us we know it by the spirit he gave us now this is a a profound truth if we are god's people if if we keep his commands and and the previous verse before that unpacks what that is Uh, uh, verse 23 says and this is his command to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as He commanded us. Belief in Jesus, faith, love for one another, love, this is what it is to keep His command and God is with us, God is, is in us, He gives us His Spirit. Now, that idea is a challenge to this Western materialistic world that says that this material world is is all there is. This says, no, actually, there is a spiritual reality and God, the Holy Spirit, is with His people. But this spiritual reality also involves other spirits, which is why discernment is called for. Which brings us to the command of this passage. Uh, Now, there's two parts to it. Uh, Firstly, uh, 4 verse 1, the first part, do not believe every spirit. So, just because something or someone is spiritual, it doesn't mean that they should be believed. If someone comes claiming spiritual empowerment, maybe even displaying supernatural power, miraculous healings, unexplainable knowledge, they may be the work of a spirit, but they're not necessarily from God. And so, we ought to, to not believe Every spirit, but rather the second part of the command: but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Where to test the spirits? Now, obvious question when you hear that is, well, how? I mean, how do you how do you test the spirits? You know, do you do you get your Ghostbusters equipment out and kind of scan to see if they're the good spirits or bad? Do, do you guys know what I'm talking about, Ghostbusters? Yes. yes. Oh, was, that's right, the movie was rebooted. It was 1984 was the original movie, which is before most of you were born, but um, it was, um, I don't know if the reboot was, was any good, was it? No? No, okay. Is that how we test the spirits? We get our Ghostbusters equipment? No, that, that's just silly. Um, before we get to, to how, John gives the reason for this command to test spirits. It's the second half of verse 1, he says, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So the work of, of these spirits is seen in the, in the words, the activities of these false prophets, these people who have, have gone out into the world, he says. Uh, John spoke about these people back in chapter 2, verse uh, 19, as, as those who went out from the fellowship of the church and they were, verse 26 of chapter 2, trying to lead, uh, lead John's readers astray. And so this, this call to test the spirits is, is a call to test these prophets, these teachers who were seeking to influence John's readers. And it's just because they claim to, to have a spiritual power, John says, don't, don't gullibly assume that they're, that they're worth listening to. So then how do you test a, a preacher, a, a teacher, a, a prophet? Do you measure uh, how passionate they are, how sincere they are? Do you measure their ability to, to communicate, to, to hold a crowd? How perceptive of culture they are? How many books they've read or sold? How big their church is? How successful they are? Now you hear those things and you, I hope you think, oh no, no, that's, that's not right, John, that's not how you should test a, a, a preacher or a teacher. And yet, how often do we actually kind of rate preachers along those lines of how passionate, sincere, successful how will they communicate how perceptive of a culture how many books they have how big is their church they're often the kind of tests that we use to measure a preacher here's the test according to 1 john 4 verse 2. this is how you can recognize the spirit of god every spirit that acknowledges that jesus christ has come in the flesh is from god but every spirit that does not acknowledge jesus is not from god this is the spirit of the antichrist which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world so the evidence of the work of the spirit of god is that someone will acknowledge confess that jesus christ has come in the flesh now um, i've got to say much scholarly ink has been spilt over this verse Um, it's often thought this is this is telling us that, that the false teaching that was going around, that, that John's writing to correct, uh, was, was about denying the Incarnation, denying that Jesus, uh, as got, fully God, became fully man, that He came into this world, that He came in the flesh. And then we know from the 2nd uh, and 3rd century, there were uh, Docetic and, and Gnostic false teachers who, who saw this, this physical world as, as evil, and they thought that, well, Jesus came from outside of this evil world and he was not part of it, I mean, otherwise he would have been tainted by it and so he was not fully human but just perhaps had the appearance of humanity. And so this, it's thought that, well, John was aware of some kind of early form of this heresy and, and so he wrote to correct it. And so in this way of thinking, anyone who, who questions the incarnation, who, who doesn't acknowledge that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is well... He's not legit says john now that's certainly true you, we we need to to certainly uh hold on to the 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 the, the, de- the deity of jesus and the humanity of jesus uh, that's certainly true and the scriptures teach that but i'm not convinced that this is what this verse is talking about i think there's a better explanation a more likely explanation um, it's not something i'd go to the stake over um, but I helpfully read in uh, Matthew Jensen's PhD entitled "Affirming the Resurrection of the Incarnate Christ." I've got a copy of my in my bag. If you want to have a have a read of it later on, um, it's actually very good. Um, ben gave it to me. Um, he argues, and I don't think convincingly, that this is not so much talking about Jesus' incarnation—was Jesus fully human or not—but this is this is talking about his identity as the Christ, something that is evidenced by his coming in the flesh that is his resurrection coming in the flesh and so to acknowledge uh, or to confess um, as a spirit enabled prophet for them to acknowledge or confess uh, jesus they're to confess him as christ having come in the flesh oops go back one there we are Um, is that is jesus identity is that as the christ is the key test And the proof of his identity as the Christ is his resurrection, he described as his coming in the flesh. Now, this fits, uh, I think this fits with the the parallel back in in chapter 2, verse 22, which says, uh, who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Uh, It fits with the beginning of 1 John, where John's talking about having heard and seen and looked at and hands are touched The word of life, Jesus, which I think is a good argument to say he's talking about hearing, seeing, touching the resurrected Jesus. It fits with John's own account of of Jesus' resurrection in his his Gospel, where he describes Jesus appearing to his disciples as Jesus came. The same word, Jesus came, is used here. It seems that Jesus coming is a particular way that John speaks of his resurrection appearances. I think it also fits with other parts of the Scriptures that speak of the resurrection of Jesus as evidence or proof that Jesus is the Christ. So Romans 1 verse 4 says, and who through the Spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God, the the, the Christ, the King, in power how? By His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, either way, whether um, these false prophets are denying Jesus' incarnation or whether they're denying his identity as the Christ, either way, they're getting Jesus wrong. And if I kind of lost you when I, when I said the word PhD, um, come back. The key point is here, either way, they're getting Jesus wrong. And that's evidence that the Spirit, that God's Holy Spirit is, is not working in them. The Spirit in them is not from God the key point here the, the key sign and evidence of the work of the spirit of god is that someone can see jesus for who he is that jesus is the resurrected incarnate christ uh, 1 Corinthians 12 3 says this even more plainly it says therefore i want you to know that, the, that no one who is speaking by the spirit of god says jesus be cursed and no one can say jesus is lord except by the Holy Spirit. The most miraculous work of the Spirit of God is, is not to enable someone to speak some strange tongue. It's not to, to heal someone of, of a physical ailment. No, the the mo- most miraculous work of the Spirit of God is to enable someone like you and me to acknowledge and confess Jesus is Lord. He's Christ. He is the King. Yeah, and of course, anyone can say those words, can't they? Jesus is Lord. But to say that from a heart that, that believes, that trusts, that is nothing short of a miracle of the Spirit of God. To, to cut through the layers of self-deceit, the layers of self-centeredness, to open eyes that have been blinded by the evil one, to say Jesus is the Christ. That is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Now, we'll come back to some implications of this shortly, but first notice notice the results of this testing, this discernment. And I think this is helpfully confronting, uh, but also ultimately reassuring. So he says, verse 4, he says, you, dear children, he's talking about the, the, his readers, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, the, these false prophets who've gone out from you. Because the one who is in you, namely the Spirit of God, is greater than the one who is in the world, the Spirit of the Antichrist, the, the evil one. Now, I uh, say so this is confronting because what it tells us is that we're necessarily caught up in a, in a conflict, in opposition. The, the world opposes God. And if we are from God, then the world opposes us Uh, we saw that last week in in chapter 3 verse 13 it says do not be surprised my brothers and sisters the world hates you now if you don't like conflict and who does if you don't like being different well this is a bit of a challenge isn't it it's a bit confronting but if we're going to crave acceptance by this world if 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 we're going to strive to to fit in well we're well on the way to siding with the wrong team in this conflict which spirit are we embracing we embracing the spirit that points to christ or the spirit of antichrist because they're in opposition notice the circularity of the world verse 5 says, they, these false prophets, they are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. They've left the fellowship of God's people and they've gone out into the world, they're from the world and those from the world speak what the world wants to hear. And you see that circularity going on in our world, in our culture. The world listens to what the world wants to speak, which the world listens to, which the world speaks. In contrast, God speaks into this circular, self-affirming world and he speaks through, through John, through his apostles, as they witness to his son Jesus. Verse 6, we, John is speaking of himself and the, the apostles, we are from God. Not, not like these false teachers, we're the true teachers from God. And whoever, he says, whoever knows God listens to us, but who is not from God does not listen to us. If you're of the world, you listen to the world. If you're of God, you'll listen to God as he speaks by his Spirit-enabled words uh, through his apostles, which we now have in the Bible. And doing that, listening to God, will bring you into conflict with the world. But notice the immense comfort in these verses. Back up in verse 4, it says, the one who is in you, the Spirit of God, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. If we're listening to God as by His Spirit, He points us to Jesus, Jesus as the Christ, then the Spirit of God is with us and He is greater than any false spirits in this world. Praise God. Well, what does this mean for us? Um, I've got a bit to say in terms of implications. So, if um, you need to, you know, wriggle your toes or shake your shoulders or something, we're not quite finished yet, okay? So, all, I've got a bit to say. Um, firstly, what, it, what this means, and this is a key point, is that the heart of true spirituality, the heart of true spirituality comes down to, to how you respond to Jesus. Now, that may seem obvious, but that, that is beautifully simple and profound. Do you, do I, confess Jesus as the Christ, come in the flesh? Do do we exhibit that profound work of the Holy Spirit of God such that, that we acknowledge and relate to Jesus as Christ, as King, that we trust Him as our Christ, as our King, as the Lord of our life? Well, if so, and to use John's word, you, dear children, are from God, You have the Spirit of God. So we need need first and foremost to attend to to our own confession of Jesus. I want to say whether that's a a new idea to you, maybe you're just sort of discovering this, or whether you've you've been following Jesus for decades, trusting him as the Christ. We've got to continue to acknowledge, to confess Jesus as Lord, as King in our hearts, in our lives. But we also need to, as this passage calls us to, we need to be discerning of others. We need to beware of any so-called spiritual teaching that, that drives a wedge between Jesus and his spirit. As if, you know, what Jesus did for us, you know, he died for us, that was back then. But now we've got, we've got, we've got to move on to what the this new thing that the Spirit is doing now. The work of the Spirit is is never to point people to himself and to his own new thing. The the work of the Spirit is always to point people to Jesus, to enable them to see who he is. We need to be discerning. Don't believe every so-called spiritual teacher and preacher and prophet, but test them to see that they confess the true Jesus as Christ, died for our sins, risen to new life. Now, to give you some concrete examples of ways and areas where we need to exercise this sort of discernment, be discerning when it comes to Christian books. Um, many books, there are, there are so many Christian books out there, or Christian books claiming to, to be coming from a Christian perspective, but really they're actually they're teaching humanism or, or triumphalism or mysticism and, and they get Jesus and his gospel and God and us Wrong. Don't just follow the fads of the latest Christian books because they're popular. Now, Being popular doesn't make it wrong. There are, there are good books that are also popular, but neither does it make it them right just because they're popular. Uh, if you want some help with discerning which books are good and which books aren't, and, and it can be difficult with a sea of Christian books, here's a, a concrete tip, um, and maybe I'm going to be criticised for this, don't shop at kurong bookshop Amen. this is being live streamed isn't it cool um why why would i say such an outrageous thing well because kurong from what i can see doesn't exercise discernment about what they stock they just stock anything and everything and if it sells well we'll eat, all the better they will supply the good and the bad and just leave it to their readers to sift through and i mean which you can do you could go there and work out actually i was talking to someone and they said they used to turn the books around that they didn't agree with. I'm not sure that Kurong would appreciate that but anyway what I do as far as possible, I try not to buy books from Kurong because of this lack of discernment in what they sell I'd encourage you to, to, look, to other, look to other booksellers like Reformers Bookshop or um, The Wandering Bookseller um, Matthias Media any others want to give a free plug to? They're the ones on the show. they're the ones um, because they actually strive to not sell books that promote false spirituality. Um, books is one area. Another area where discernment is needed is in, in podcasts and YouTube videos and online preachers, however you listen, whatever you're listening to online. Just because a preacher is popular or engaging or successful doesn't mean they're right. Exercise discernment in what you listen to. Check that that what they're teaching aligns with what God has told us about Jesus in the Bible. Likewise, songs that we sing. Discernment is needed. You might have noticed, um, we we don't sing Hillsong or Bethel songs at our church. Um, It's not because every single song they've produced is heretical... Um, and i know some churches that they sift through and they, they pick songs if the words are good and they'll sing those and we don't do that we don't use any of their songs because we don't want to give tacit approval and financial support through royalties to an organization that promotes a false gospel and you might say oh, hang on johnny that's a bit harsh i mean hillsong confesses jesus and you might know jesus loving christians who are members of hillsong you may have been a a member of Hillsong, you might be a member of Hillsong and just visiting us tonight. Um, Hillsong may promote Jesus, they, they do promote Jesus. But which Jesus are they promoting? Oh, Jesus who saves us. Yes. Saves us from what? Well, sin. Yes. What's the sinful state that Jesus saves us from? Now, we, we might say something like, well, being enslaved by our sinful desires in rebellion against God, our Creator, such that we face the danger of His just condemnation. But Jesus comes and, and saves us from that condemnation. He, he saves us by, by dying for us in our place to take our punishment and to bring us forgiveness. Well, that, that's the Gospel. Whereas churches such as Hillsong would, would likely give from my experience, exposure to them, and I haven't listened to everything they've ever preached, but they likely give little airtime to that, if any, to that gospel. But rather, would define that the problem that Jesus saves us from as not the danger of facing the condemnation from a just God because of my rebellion, but actually the danger of of me not living the life that God wants me to live of not enjoying the the success and blessing and prosperity that God wants to bestow upon his children. And so the solution that Jesus gives is to to say, come to him and receive the victory, the life that he gives. Live the spirit-filled life, boldly embracing the the adventures that God has in store for you. Live your best life now. Now, it's kind of half true, like most good lies. And if you're already a Christian, perhaps like the Jesus-loving Christians that you know at Hillsong, and if you understand the biblical gospel, maybe because of the church that you grew up in, you can easily fill in the gaps with the gospel, put it sort of back into what's being said. And so it kind of seems all right, because they say Jesus saves, and you think, oh, that means he saves us from our sin. But they're actually talking about a different Jesus, saving us from something different. And for the poor person who doesn't have any background understanding of the gospel of Jesus, they're left with a false gospel that doesn't address the problem of sin and judgment, that doesn't embrace the true Jesus as Christ who died for our sins and was risen again. And in the end, this false gospel can destroy the faith of people who may have a genuine desire to follow God but when instead of encountering success and blessing and prosperity they encounter suffering and hardship in this fallen world and they give up because they're told you obviously didn't have enough faith. Worst case scenario, this kind of false teaching that claims to be spiritual actually denies people the real Jesus and in the end leads them to hell. Now we may need to be discerning discerning of books, podcasts, songs, teachers, churches, discerning of what you're being taught here as well. That is, if we're going to point a finger at Hillsong or Bethel and say we're not going to sing their songs, which I think is right that we do that, well, there's three fingers pointing back at us, aren't there? So, where are our weak spots? Well, are we exhibiting the... The Spirit of God in our single-minded confession of Jesus as Christ, King over all of our life. Such that we, we give ourselves wholeheartedly to, to living out His rule in all that we do. Irrespective of how the world will then treat us. Such that 3 verse 13, don't be, we're not surprised if the world hates us. I wonder, are we in danger of a, a kind of domesticated Christianity that embraces the culture of the world and, and seeks its acceptance over and above our single allegiance to Jesus as Christ. For example, I wonder, are we in danger of embracing and exhibiting a worldly spirit of individualism such that we, we fail to keep the command of, to love one another as, as we saw last week, as we'll look at again next week? Or is our confession of, of Jesus one that says, well, look, you don't really need to take him that, that seriously. I mean, just kind of show your face at church when you've got time and try to be nice, be a good person. She'll be right. Do we confess in word and deed that Jesus is the Christ? Where are our blind spots? I mean, where are we in danger of soft peddling our confession? of Jesus as the Christ maybe it's in the the world's hot topic areas of sexuality of gender of abortion euthanasia we feel this pressure to just kind of fall into line and go with the flow or maybe it's in the the massive blind spot of wealth and greed are we distinguishable from the world around us it's hard it takes discernment I mean we live in this world and we're We're to engage with the world, we need to show love to the people of the world whilst not loving the world. But there are many people who are, as this says, from the world, who therefore speak from the viewpoint of this world and the world listens to them. Let's make sure that that as we live in this world that we're not listening to the world and being shaped and directed by it, but rather that we're listening to God as through his spirit-empowered testimony to Jesus in the apostolic scriptures, he speaks to us. As we do that, that will bring us into conflict with others. It will make us stand out at times as oddballs. But we can do that knowing that by God's grace, He has given us His Spirit. And His Spirit is greater than the spirits at work in the world. Let's pray that uh, by God's Spirit, as we confess with our words, with our actions, with all of our lives, that Jesus is the Christ that he will be honoured through us. Amen.